I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Please be advised that Gen X This Is Why contains adult language. Yeah, I have a note somewhere in here that uh Pa reads poetry, I'm fucked. <laughs> Hi, and welcome to Gen X This Is Why, the podcast where we re-examine the sometimes bizarre and often scarring media of our shared childhood. My name is Amy, and I'm a proud Gen Xer born in 1977. And I'm Jenny, born in 1974. You forgot to say you're my sister. I think people know that by now, don't they? Maybe not the the troves of new listeners. (laughs) And I'm her sister, Jenny, born in 1974. There we go. So little housekeeping before we start today. You guys have really been delivering with the five-star reviews. Thank you so much. Um, movies fan saying great to hear sisters. Yeah, real great hearing sisters. I listen to my twin daughters who are sisters every day. It's not fun. Um, Delris, Brandon Queen, Rutabaga Farms, Mama Labs. Thank you guys all for the love and support. We really appreciate it. If you haven't left us a five-star review yet, please do so. Helps us to find new listeners, helps new listeners find us. The latest, Jenny, that we got is Betsy in Woo. Woo! <laughs> Betsy a Woo girl? Um, she says, by the way, Team Paw forever. Oh, God. Betsy, you see into my soul. She wants us to consider Labyrinth. I love that movie. I will do that movie tomorrow. I Amy, not so much. I, like, saw it as an adult movie. Great, great movie. It's David Bowie, right? Yep. Yeah. Great movie. I don't I don't love fantasy. Or sci-fi or anything no, that like has a complex mm-hmm. Fantasy, yeah. Okay. Um, you guys have also been coming at us in the Mimi Bees. We have some new members there. We have Karen, Tracy, Chris, Mary, Stacy. Uh, let's see who else recently. Amy, Lisa, Tracy. Another Amy. You're also, hit, Amy you're also hitting us with some uh, recommendations and episodes that you love. So I've added those. If they're um, late season two or in the future, I've added them to our list. So we'll be doing a lot of those. Some great suggestions. Yep. Yep. We got some Denise, some Tara. I believe Tara's the one who suggested, right? Yeah, there's a couple yeah. in season yeah. four that we're going to do. Yep. yep. Um, Kelly, Trinity, Melly, Mary. So thank you guys for joining the Mimi Bees. I hope you're loving it. I'm digging up some old photos of Jenny to throw in there just to, you know, give you an idea. I would like, I would like to apologize for that 
image that Amy put on of Timmy's oh feet because that, that was, was gross and stuff. oversharing. Mm-hmm. That was so, that's a little bit oversharing. The minute I put it I up, I'm like, I feel like I should have put those black bars like they did on Poison's "Open Up and Say Ah" album, where you can't you can't, <laughs> can't see the tongue, can't see the tongue. I feel like I should have done that so you guys don't have to look at those gross toes. <laughs> when I saw that, I was like, please tell me that's not in our group, and it's just on Amy's I'm personal. Sorry, guys, I'm sorry. Oh my god, I should I should put a content warning on that, like where you have to click on it because it's explicit. I just hate feet. Like, do you ever see good looking feet? Never. Yeah, all the time. I also want to give a big shout out to Kim and Kyle over at 90 Day Fiance Cray Cray. They uh, plugged our little pod for us on their Patreon the other day and we're we're living the cray cray bump mm-hmm. it's pretty great um i started listening to kim and kyle when i was working on a particularly emotional and heavy project i found my way into the 90 day fiance world <laughs> and i'm loving it and cray cray has a great podcast looking back at 90 day if you watch that if you watch love after lockup or any of our favorite dumpster fire shows <laughs> Um, give Kim and Kyle a listen. They really do a great job sort of pulling this all apart and examining it in, in a responsible way. And that's what I really like about them. So thanks, Kim and Kyle. We appreciate it. And check out their podcast. Today, we continue our look at Little House on the Prairie with Season 2, Episode 11, His Father's Son. Jen? The description reads, Isaiah and Grace Edwards are both delighted with their new family, but trouble soon begins between Isaiah and his oldest adopted son, John. Isaiah does not understand the boy's interest in books and poetry, and he would much prefer a son with whom he can farm and hunt. That clearly is not the kind of life John enjoys, but Isaiah keeps pushing it. I want to get three things out of the way. (laughs) Okay. Number one, how old is John Jr.? I think he's like 14. I think he's supposed to be like 14. I don't know how old the actor is. He looks too old for Grace to be kissing him. Okay. Okay. I didn't even like pick up on that. Number two. Oh my God. Charles looks so hot in this episode. No. No. (laughs) Nope. Um, And number three. This is probably one of my favorites that I've watched so far. Really? I mean, it's all of the poetry. This is my wheelhouse. Yeah, I get to that later. Mm-hmm. And it's written by Michael Landon. Isn't it directed I, by Victor French? No. It is. is no. It? Okay. Is it? No. God. Oh. Pause. We're back. Directed by my boyfriend, Michael Landon. Okay. I don't know if I'm in love, though, with Michael Landon or with Charles. I think it's with Charles. I mean, it's the fictional person. It's cool. Yeah. Okay. All right. We open on a homestead. Is this the Sanderson place, Jenny? Yes. Okay. So they've moved in there. So they get a house out of the deal. I know. Not bad. Well, the kids technically inherited the house. Oh, my God. Do the kids own the house? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Could you imagine if your kids owned your house? That would suck. No. John Jr. is in the treehouse reading. And Grace calls him for breakfast and remarks to Edwards that John Jr. just loses himself in those books. And Edwards says a boy his age ought to get out more. Grace reminds Edwards that there's a lot of pleasure in reading and that John Jr.'s father was a reader. Edwards says he wouldn't know and I forgot he can't read. He can't read. Yep. John Jr. approaches Edwards and asks if he's ever read Lord Byron. Okay, I'm loving all of the poetry in this episode. <laughs> 
Well, and Edwards looks like, and I wrote, oh yeah, because Edwards looks like he's read Lord Byron. I'm like, Lord Byron, wasn't he that like goth dude that hung out with Mary Shelley? Is that him? Yeah, that he based Dracula. He is one of the romantics. Yeah, and he was like all crazy and like he's, hung out. They were church, all crazy. Hung out in like old churches and like they based Dracula on him. They think, right? Wasn't he? Like oh, I don't know. Him? I didn't hear that. Yeah, I think so. John Jr. says Lord Byron was his father's favorite, and Edward should read it sometime. Cut to Edwards firing a gun in a field with Charles, and Charles looks amazing in this oh scene. God. Like he looks the best when he's out in the field with a little bit of sweat. His eyes are gleaming in the sun. Super big wavy hair. Yeah, that's that's a turn off for me. The bigger the hair gets, the less interested I am. Okay. They're with the that rifle wasn't true sales. in the 80s, I feel like. They're with the rifle salesman. <laughs> Who looks like Mark Twain. He does. He does. We learn Edwards is buying this rifle for John Jr. for his birthday. And Edwards explains to Charles that he needs to get John Jr. out of doors. The gun is a Winchester? A Winchester. So I have a story. So I went to the Winchester Mystery House, which is in You did. You did. We talked about this. It's in San Jose, California. And I work out in that area um, and sometimes. And I was out there and I dropped by the Winchester Mystery House. It is friggin' bonkers. I highly recommend it in case they don't know. So the, the, the woman who inherited the Winchester fortune, I think her name was Sarah Winchester. I forget. But she inherited the fortune and she was tormented by how her family, like how they made, Blood uh, how they made the money, like through all these rifles. And she felt like the souls of all the people killed by the rifles were haunting her house. And some medium told her the way to stop that is to have construction done on the house. So there's like hammering and all the sound keeps the ghosts away. So she had continuous construction on the house for like 40 years or some crazy shit there's like 150 rooms there's like all these weird staircases to nowhere and doors like it was just under constant construction it is insane i highly recommend going there if you're in the northern california area it's definitely something to see was she living in it at the time yeah she lived in it for a long time and there was parts of it that were like damaged by the earthquake in 1906 and like they just kind of left them there and like walled them off, <laughs> just moved on and kept building. It's really crazy. Edwards tells Charles that when uh, John Jr. does his chores, he just runs off to the treehouse and reading and writing. And I wrote, sounds like my dream kid. <laughs> yeah, right. Charles, the empath. He's an empath starts, too? Starts to, de- he is the deepest feeling person uh, in this okay. entire yeah. series. Okay. He starts defending John Jr. a little bit here, but Edwards, nope, nope, nope. He's like, I just, you know, my son needs to be a hunter and he needs to be like me and blah, blah, blah. And I, wrote, and I wrote that I do think that Edwards wanting to bond with John Jr. is genuine. Yes. He just doesn't misguided. know how to do it. Right, yeah. Misguided, but genuine. Yeah. He just doesn't know what to do except the thing that he likes to do. Well, I mean, to be fair, he, he can't relate to him on the reading poetry level, right? Like he can't relate to that. He doesn't know how to read. He doesn't want to tell John Jr. that he doesn't know how to read. So like, instead of trying to find some other way, like maybe just hanging out in nature, right? Like maybe fishing, maybe he'd be okay with fishing. He's just like, gotta hunt. Yeah. 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 The children, the next scene, the children are walking home from school. It's Laura, Mary, John Jr., Carl, and Alicia. 
And John Jr. is reading The Ocean by Lord Byron. And I love this poem. And John Jr. is butchering it. <laughs> so I'm just going to read you the first stanza of this poem so you can hear how beautiful it is. Oh, God. You know, first of all, you know how I am about the ocean. Right. Okay. Roll on, thou deep and dark blue ocean roll. Ten thousand fleets sweep over thee in vain. Man marks the earth with ruin. His control stops with the shore. Upon the watery plain, the wrecks are all thy deed, nor doth remain. A shadow of man's ravage, save his own. When, this is the best part, for a moment, like a drop of rain, he sinks into thy depths with bubbling groan, without a grave, unknelled, uncoffined, and unknown. Oh! I feel like that is, oh, what an amazing poem about the ocean. I like, I actually like Lord Byron. Yeah, I like Lord Byron. Uh, Byron, I I approve of of that poetry choice. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I don't read a lot of the old classic poet, poetry anymore. I like a lot. Of, there's so many good contemporary poets. Well, when you have a, when you get a degree in poetry, you have yeah, to read right, everything. Exactly. Yep. So I had to read all of this crap. This was my college experience. Okay. JJ, oh, John Jr. I have him in my notes as JJ. I know. Can I call him JJ? He's so annoying. I feel like that's He's cutting so him He's so not a JJ. Not. I'm going to call him John Jr. But if I forget, it's JJ. John Jr. tells Mary he wants to write something that makes people feel things inside like Lauren Byron. And again, this is my dream kid. My dream kid? Maybe if, if I was Mary's age, my dream man. Laura, Alicia, and JJ run away, saying their feet are sweaty. Mary sticks around and flirts with John Jr. And John Jr. tells Mary, make sure if you could ask Paul if I could borrow his copy of Emerson. Yeah, I have a note somewhere in here that uh, Paul reads poetry. I'm fucked. So Paul's just sitting around (laughs) reading Emerson. Oh, my God. I love him. Okay. I feel like, would that be common? Like, I feel like that's. Like he's this like Renaissance pioneer. Come on. There's nothing common about Charles Ingalls. Right. That's the whole point. All right. Whew. Okay. That night, the Edwards family are celebrating JJ's John Jr.'s birthday. Uh, Grace made him a delicious looking cake, Jenny. I was I, if that I love a, a yellow cake with chocolate icing. Me too. It's my favorite, my I favorite combination. They open the presents and Carl and Alicia get him a quill pen. An ink with special paper, but I love Alicia here. They give her the present, and Alicia goes, We didn't get you anything. <laughs> such a I feel like such a kid move. Right? I know. And Grace is like, No, 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 I got it for you. No, no, Alicia. <laughs> Grace got him Keats, which is another one of my favorite poets from this period. And I wrote, This kid is reading all of the romantics, and I'm mm-hmm. here for it. Did you see Alicia's face? I know they kept showing it, it was weird. Well, it's like, funny because what are you doing, Michael Landon. So when I was digging around the internet till like two a.m. finding stuff for this episode, I happened to come across this fact. And Alicia was just the actress was just in a cranky mood, and she had this cranky face on, and they couldn't get her to like make a normal face or act normal, so they just let it roll. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was great. I thought she was just pissed she wasn't getting Keats' book. Also, another thing, when he was blowing out the birthday candles, I'm like, this is probably something that we're all never going to do again. Never. never. Right? I was like, ah! I know. <laughs> I know. 
Okay, so let's review. Carl and Alicia get him a quill pen, ink with special flip paper. Grace gets him a book of poetry. Then Edwards gives him a fucking gun. Read the room, Edwards. Read, read the, the room. Read the room. It's like, have you met him? This would be like you giving me a Bible for my birthday. Yeah, or you getting me a gun. <laughs> right? That would be really bad. I feel read like. the room. <laughs> read the, like, know the people in your life. Not even read the room. <laughs> John Jr. does not have a good reaction to the gun, surprisingly. I mean. <laughs> and Edwards is upset. Edwards tells him he's going to take him hunting, and John Jr.'s like, uh, okay. Yeah. Grace gets up later that night to let the dog out, which the dog's hardly making a noise. I don't know how that woke her up. Well, maybe it didn't wake her up. We don't know that. There's no evidence. Maybe, maybe. And she finds John Jr. up reading. He's reading the Keats book, of course, already. I have a question here, parents. Yeah. Yes. And you're not a parent of boys, but I feel like I wouldn't just walk into a teenage boy's room unannounced late at night. Oh, yeah. No, me either. But don't, doesn't he share a room with the other two? I don't. Oh, maybe. I think maybe. they're all in one room. Okay. So what's he right. be doing? Like jerking off in front of his Yeah, door? that's true. He probably doesn't have his own room. Yeah. <laughs> if he's doing that, she has a bigger problem than catching him. <laughs> okay. So... John Jr. expresses to Grace that he doesn't like hunting and he wishes Edwards didn't spend the money on that gun. And Grace reminds him that Edwards was raised in the woods and is pretty much a tamed feral cat at this point. (laughs) Grace says Edwards just wants to share the thing he does best with John Jr. and that he loves him and he wants him to be like him. And John Jr. is like, nope, can't do it. And Grace is like, don't worry, I'll talk to him about it. I I have a statement about this whole thing. Did you hear... Whoever did the sound for this episode should never work in film or <laughs> yeah, TV again. Our blacklist. Did you hear the sound that was like in the background basically from this point on? No. Oh my God. I thought something was going on in my apartment. I'm like, sh- I'm like pausing the TV. I'm like, well, I'm like, what is that sound? And I realized it's in the show. How'd you I, miss that? I don't know. Jen, right. do you want Good to talk point. about how I right. that? Good point. Right. I forgot. My in-laws were cutting grass. My dog was <laughs> My kids are running around. And you can't hear that well anyway. It wasn't in the closed captioning. <laughs> and then I wrote, and I think this is a good time to bring in the air siren here. The air uh, Ready? For who? Go. Okay, because we cut to Charles aggressively sawing some wood. <laughs> God. <laughs> and it's kind of hot. He's like, I mean, really? is there sawing that wood is there a passive way to saw wood i mean <laughs> i don't know but i, I want to can we get to me next time i'm at your house can we get to me to passively saw wood <laughs> film it for our sure, listener sure i feel like you know michael landon puts himself in these positions quite uh, a bit you, yeah he directed it mm-hmm. he probably wrote it mm-hmm. yeah mary asks mary comes into the barn and asks charles to borrow his emerson oh god they get into a discussion about poetry and Mary asks, how old do you have to be a poet? And then Charles recites Emerson. Oh boy. He says, this is a, a quote that Emerson is quite well known for. There are two classes of poets, those poets by education and practice, those we respect and poets by nature, those we love. And I'm like, Paul quotes Emerson. Stop. I know. I know. Stop. I'm like, I'm, I'm screwed. Stop. This is going to suck tomorrow. <laughs> Because Mary asked if you have to go to school for poetry, and I was waiting for Pa to say, not unless you want to waste. 
<laughs> tens of thousands of dollars. Right. If you want to burn all my money. Sure. <laughs> it's just, it really, it bothered me because I remember like, I wish I lived in a time when people respected poetry. I mean. And maybe feel, it's just the place I grew up yeah. where I feel like that didn't happen. I feel like poetry is respected in the right areas, like in the right places. I mean, Not necessarily physical places, but in, you know, with people who like that kind of stuff. Like, I talk a lot about this with my therapist, how I feel, like, out of place in my own surroundings a lot of times. And it's like, when I walk into an English department, or, you know, I'm in a coffee house, and there's these kinds of John Juniors just sulking around with open poetry books, it's like, those are my people. Like, that is where I belong. And I I mean, I don't get a lot of that in my life. I mean, the way I interact with poetry nowadays is I listen to tons of it. Like, NPR always has poets on that they're interviewing and reading. And I found so many great, like, the one poet that I just found, like, maybe last year or something was Tracy K. Smith. Like, great stuff. Her book, Life on Mars, amazing. There's some amazing contemporary poets. There are. And I'm really into, like, performance poetry now. And I feel like there's more of an interest in that yeah, yep. in at least the last 10 to 20 years. But I just, I don't know, like what I would have given to Ben in that barn with Charles with his shirt off reading me Emerson. Oh, I mean, I, I feel like that has to do with something else. <laughs> but like, I think, I think part of the problem, and I have the same problem with fine art. I feel like, I feel like there's this conception that it's, it's on, it's like unaccessible. Like it's, you know, like you have to know a certain amount of things or you have to have a degree or like well I don't either but I think a lot of people do and they feel like they have to like you know like art is you walk in you buy what you like you know and Mm -hmm. you don't have to you don't have to have some big history or understanding of it just like like it or don't like and I think I think things like Instagram and like having like more accessibility to like what artists are doing is helping with that like making it more you know what I mean like there's no reason it has to be some weird highbrow thing and I think poetry suffers from that too well, like it I doesn't. Just, you don't have to understand like how a stanza is written to like enjoy poetry. Like, but you don't here's have to the problem. That. But here's the problem. Teachers for decades taught students that they did have to understand. Yeah, no, you're right. same thing with art. Yeah, same thing with art. Exactly. So and I think I, I think that's breaking down. I hope. I teach this class at the U, and it's a 100 level intro to literature, right? And it's they cover like it's a survey course so they cover like fiction short story and poetry Mm -hmm. and every year my class is all seniors because they have to take it and they've put it off Mm -hmm. because they think they're going to hate poetry so much and I always say to them like the first day how many of you hate poetry almost every hand in the room goes up (laughs) and then the last day like half of them go up so that's my you know I but but again that is the bar to entry there is they're in a university. Like, you know right, what I mean? But like, I asked them, why that. do you hate poetry? And they're like, because we always got it wrong. Like, I yeah. hear variations of the answer. We always got it wrong because X teacher, you know, told yeah. me this is this is what, um, you know, Lord Byron's poem, The Ocean, means. And yeah. I didn't see it that way. And well, that yeah. enrages me. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I was taught art the same way. And it's like, instead of having a personal relationship with it, like it's, it's about this and it's about, you know, the third of May and it's about the revolution. And like, you know, that like art is, I feel like the same way as poetry is like, it's a super personal thing and it means something to you, but like it can mean something different to somebody else and that's okay. Yeah. Yep. Like, 
So just another note on Emerson. He was an American poet, so we're breaking out of those romantics. A mid-century, a mentor to Thoreau, and he was the leader of the transit transcend help me transcendental movement just people are better and purer when uncorrupted by corporations and the man i mean and he also like he was just a really prolific writer he wrote tons and tons of essays he's really a well-known essayist but he also like he had this is where i think that quote comes from it's the preface to one of his anthologies he wrote a three thousand word preface to one of his anthologies and in there, he talks about what is poetry and you know, stuff like that. So, all right. Back at the Edwards home, Edwards is getting all excited about the trip. And John Jr.'s like, uh, no. Carl, yeah. meanwhile, is begging, is begging to go into the Just take Carl. Carl. <laughs> Grace well, tells Edwards she's not sure John Jr. wants to go. And he doesn't like to hunt and doesn't want to shoot anything. And Edwards seems to be like... Oh, okay. I get that. And he seems to be like amenable on this. Like, okay, well maybe I'll take Carl then. Well, but it's not about hunting at the, at the end of the day. It's about, he's trying to figure out how to bond with John Jr. Yes. A hundred percent. So later Edwards comes across his friend, Len and some Len's son. Rando. Tad. Some rando. Some rando. And some rando son named Tad. Hmm. They're hunting and they're getting some stuff set up. And Len tells Edwards, like, here we go. What a great hunter Tad is. And how he kept him home from school because, quote, he'll learn more in the woods than in school anyway. <sighs> I mean, why does, why, and uh, is this Charles Just writing? Why? Just why? Like, why do they have to do these heavy handed random scenes to like drive a point home that is like that the audience can pick up? You know what right. I mean? Like, it's I just know. a total, like, vehicle to just reinforce that, you know, Edwards wants his son to, like, hunt. You know what I mean? Like, well, it's just What this so... conversation does is it fires Edwards up, and when he returns home, now he's determined. Yeah, and, like, how did this do? Because the dude found out about the rifle. Like, did this traveling Mark Twain salesman tell Hanson <laughs> what's going on with he everything? Like, probably... does, does he report he back to Hanson? Hanson probably uh, puts out a newsletter every day. <laughs> All right. At the Ingalls, Charles is finishing up milking the cow. And he's like, the cow was generous today. I have tons of milk. And everybody's kind of hinting that they want Caroline to make ice cream. I have a question. She's not busy, John. She's not busy. How the fuck do you make ice cream with just a lump of ice? I have this no mind blowing. This is mine with no refrigeration. Barely no, make macaroni and cheese out of a with box. No sealed refrigeration. Like how the hell? I don't know. That's that's sorcery. Well, I mean, they're just letting the milk sit there in a bucket. Sorcery. Like I say, open. It's gross. Ma and then what happens? Them, Ma tells them they have to go to get ice. Then what happens? Okay, I know. I'm getting there. <laughs> Mary asks to go with Pa for the ride because John Jr. is going to help her with an essay. And Pa's like, uh, no, he's hunting with Edwards this weekend. And Mary's like, nope, he'll be home. So Charles agrees to take her along. Then, then, drum roll. Then Laura, the truth seeker, says, why aren't you wearing your glasses, Mary? And I screamed at the TV. I, I was like, finally. I did too. And Mary says, Dr. Burke told me I don't have to wear them all the time. Or ever. Or ever, I guess. 
Mary leaves and Laura says to mom, Mary just wants John Jr. to see her beautiful blue eyes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Laura knows what's up. Oh, yeah. I think it's pretty obvious. Charles and Mary show up. Well, Michael Landon's directing it, it is. (laughs) Charles and Mary show up at Edwards and Grace. Oh, shows up at Edwards. And Grace finds a way to get Charles alone because, of course, she does. He's the fixer. All right. He's the fixer. She explains how John Jr. is not like most boys and won't kill anything. And Charles is baffled by their lack of communication. Really, Charles? He seems pretty dense on this, I feel like. Like, how did you not see this? But She's anyway. like, just take your shirt off. I'll tell you all about it. <laughs> Do you need me wash that shirt? <laughs> we see Edwards and John Jr. in the woods near a beautiful stream. John Jr.'s taking the opportunity. I thought he was writing poetry, but he's not. Edwards calls him to eat, and John Jr., while they're sitting around the campfire eating, hands Edwards a paper and asks him to read it. He's like, I wrote my feelings down for you. And I totally remembered this whole episode when this happened. Edwards pretends to read it, and I wrote, wow, this is some shit here. (laughs) JJ assumes he read it and doesn't care. And, like, his voice is just destroyed. Like, imagine... You write a letter to mom or dad pouring your heart out and they just glance over it and fold up and put it in their pocket. And they're like, okay, let's go. But I have two thoughts here. One is I feel like it should have dawned on John Jr. that he might not know how to read. But maybe maybe that's unfair. But I felt like that that was fairly common, especially fairly of that common. generation, right? Like mm-hmm. the kids, more of them read, but like not impossible, right? Like I, right. I don't know. And then I was thinking, where's that series aim? What was that series you're going to do? Where they're just having the truth conversation. <laughs> it was um something like things that just open communication can solve. Yeah, because like if Edwards was like, hey, I don't read, this yeah, would have all yeah, been cleared up. Yeah, yep. yeah, I know. Even if he didn't want to say it, why doesn't Grace say that? Because I guess, well, we find out later that Edwards swear, swore her not to. <laughs> Whatever. So John Jr. and Edwards suit up and begin hiking through the woods. And then the best thing in the world happens. <laughs> <laughs> Edwards hears something. The music gets crazy. The wild camera like, angles. The music sounds like a cicada, doesn't it? Like that that bug that makes that sound. Yep. yep. Is that the right oh. bug? It's a cicada, right? Uh huh. All of a sudden, a bear pops out and starts attacking Edwards. <laughs> and there's some really bad fake orange paint oh all over God. Edwards. Oh, the, the, uh, I was like, what, did he have buffalo hot wings, like, in his backpack? Like, what is that? So, wait a minute. I had my consultant watch this with me. And we've determined the bear is absolutely real. But the bear paw, when it's like throwing him around, isn't. And then the bear eating something off his backpack is real. So it's swapped in and out. Okay, so you know the bear's not real at all, right? The bear is real. No, it's not. The, that bear that eats something out of his backpack and walks away is fucking real. The bear that attacks him is not real, obviously. Well, yeah, that's what I said. The bear attacking yeah. him, like the paws and stuff that you see are not real. Do you know what it is? Oh, no. Is this, this the bomb you were going to drop? This is the bomb I'm dropping. I can't believe you didn't see this somewhere online. You do no research for any of these. I, no, I want to go into it without knowing anything. <laughs> well, you're nailing it. <laughs> <laughs> I like to mimic how our audience comes to this. You know, so, just not being spoiled. So that is fucking Charles Ingalls 
That is Michael Landon in a bear suit. <laughs> oh, oh my yes. God. Okay. Yes. And I will, I will put, we will post a picture of him pause, with the bear head pause, off. Pause. <laughs> Send me the picture right now of her messages. Oh, we're back, and I am looking at this picture. Wow. He looks kind of hot. No, nope, no, no sorry. No. <laughs> now, wait, wait, wait. Let me let me clarify for our audience. The picture I'm looking at, he has the bear head off, so I'm not saying a bear is hot. It's, it's the bear, I feel like the bear head is really good, though. Like, the really costume's good. good. Yeah. But still bonkers. Like, why the hell is the director playing the part of the bear? Like, this is not a $12,000 budget here to make this whole series. Guys, if you do nothing else today, watch this scene. Watch this scene. <laughs> so, okay. so wait, so wait, wait. I have an index card. Oh, and I just want to say about this music, if we get sued for using it, you are paying the fine. On the right right. You're paying the fine. If we well, get let's hear it. Okay, go ahead. <clears throat> so, my index card is a different format today. It's in the format of a quiz. Oh, fuck. So, How many times did we discuss off air that I do not want you to make me look stupid? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, this would not be stuff I would expect you to know. Okay, so, you would just take a guess. Did Edwards do the right thing when he was attacked by a bear? Well, what did he do? Let's talk about Wait it. A minute. He laid down in a docile Hold position. Hold on. I got the quiz. We can discuss it through the vehicle of the quiz. Okay. So uh, this- I can't answer the question until I think about what he did, but go ahead. This in- Okay, go ahead. Think. Relive the scene. <laughs> oh, shoot him! Shoot him! He's screaming, shoot him! Shoot him. And John, John Jr.'s just standing there. His Buffalo Wild Wings <laughs> sauce is flying all over the place. <laughs> What did, I mean, in this decade, there were so many horror movies that were out that did this so well, Charles. And, and Edwards dives on the ground in like a, a <laughs> docile position, right? Okay. So, or did he pass out from blood loss? I don't know. So my quiz is, did he do the right thing? Did he do the right thing? So from my 2015 Nat Geo article, which I'm not saying. Can you I know, answer it? It's no, hold on. I will walk you through the steps. They they have um they have an article called How Not to Get Attacked by a Bear. So yeah. let's see if 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 um Isaiah followed these steps. So number one, don't attract bears. Mm, so don't put food in your backpack. Right. So the main the main way we attract bears is by having food, food around. Because yeah. they have a stronger sense of smell than dogs do, and they love human food. Mm-hmm. So is that a pass or a fail? Um, I'm going to say it's a fail. Yeah. But to be fair to Edward, it's not like he had like food laying around on the ground. Like where else were they going to have food besides their backpack? Like they, he kind of had no choice there. I guess I would just go all willy nilly and throw all my food into the woods. Or just not eat all day. Like I, right. we don't. Yeah. Cause they had just eaten. Right. So yeah. they have, yeah, he should just left the scraps behind. All yeah. right. Let's give yeah. him a fail on that. Number two, carry bear spray. <laughs> well, he doesn't have that. So is that a fail? Yeah. Number three, travel in groups. 
fail. Yeah, because they're not a group. There's only two people. And he went way ahead. Yep, and he was kind of out on his own there. Yeah. Number four, be alert for signs of bears. I feel like he was alert. So be alert for signs of bears. What the article says is if you see fresh scat, for instance, which I'm assuming is crap, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A bear has recently passed by. It's a good idea to be very alert and think through, how am I going to react? (laughs) Don't let yourself fall into a daze. Stay present (laughs) and look around as you walk. Who is the audience of this article? I would 100% allow myself to fall into a daze. (laughs) So I feel like he was looking around. There may have been, we don't know if there was a sign of the bear or not, but he, I feel like he failed that. Number five, if you are attacked, react based on species. So based on the historical. Can I say this? Wait, wait, I'm going to stop you. I have heard that you should make yourself bigger than the bear. And growl. Is, is that your get eaten? Is that your plan? Is that your plan? Yeah. Am I going to get eaten? It depends on what kind of bear you're being attacked by. Okay. So, according to the population of bears in that area at that time, it would and, and according to Michael Landon's costume and size, he's being attacked by a black bear. A grizzly bear is brown and has like a lump, like a big giant lump of muscle on its back. So that it, it's called a grizzly. I know, but grizzlies are like seven, eight feet tall. Like, this is not a grizzly bear. Right. I thought it was a black bear, too, but he said it's grizzly. And according... Grizzlies are huge. Yeah. He would be dead if that was a grizzly. And if, according to, like, the population, it was... There was an off chance it could have been a grizzly. They were in extreme western Minnesota a little bit towards the end of the 1800s. But likely it was a black bear in, in real life. Now, they may have said it was a grizzly in the show, but... It clearly didn't look like one. It looked like a black bear. So what do you do if you encounter a black bear? So if you encounter a black bear, you be bold and aggressive and you Mm -hmm. yell and you Mm -hmm. make yourself look bigger than you are. But it said in the article, although this is not foolproof. Of course it's not. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) But if it is a grizzly. Don't forget where I live. I've had to have conversations of, we've encountered black bears. You know your chance of getting attacked by a bear is one in two 0.1 million, right? Yeah, it's not much. Okay. Um, If it's a grizzly, you back the fuck away quietly and you shit your pants. You shit your your pants. Those are your only options. If it's a grizzly, you back up and you keep your eyes on the grizzly's belly. You don't stare them in the eye. Don't look them in the face. Yeah. You stare at the belly so you know where the bear is at all times and you walk quietly backwards as far as you can and then turn around and run like no, that brings me to number six. You're, you've died six times in this scenario. And number six, never run. Yeah, no. You cannot outrun a bear. Just chill. Mm-hmm. No big deal. When I was over 13. No, humans cannot outrun a bear. Don't even try it. Just okay. chill like it's no big deal and walk away. Because that's definitely your instinct when confronted with a grizzly bear. Yeah, just chill. <laughs> just chill. It's not a big deal. Number seven, no one to play dead. Oh, okay. I'd probably be dead of a heart attack. So. so with a black bear, you fight back or you lay on the ground in a fetal position. Mm. Which is kind of what happened. Like when That's he stopped fighting he and he fell to the ground. I don't know if he just passed out, though. <laughs> he had the wing sauce all over him. I don't know. <laughs> 
But with a grizzly bear, do not try to defend yourself. Pretend you are dead. You're you're dead. Just start practicing. Okay. How many more questions do we have? Last one. Last one, which I don't even understand what this means, but this is the last one. Be tolerant and put things in perspective. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> I'm you telling you. I was doing research around bear attacks and there is some dodgy friggin' research and information out there. Let me tell yeah. you. Yeah. Not good. So I think ultimately fa- giant fail. Uh, giant fail by John Jr. We haven't talked about his reaction. I mean, I feel like his reaction though, even if he was, Unless he was a seasoned hunter, I mean, he's a fourteen-year-old kid. He's probably like he's he going to be stunned and shocked. Shot Edwards, right? No, I would have. The bear was on top of Edwards. I feel like he had a clean shot at the bear if he really wanted oh, to take I don't it. Know. I, I'm, I'm such a bad shot. The so problem with the bear is like if you don't if kill you it, don't kill I don't know. Right. Why. Does it come at you? Does it? A grizzly? I feel like a grizzly would. I would have tried though. I would have fired the rifle into the ground to make a big boom. I mean to be to be fair, the only experience we have with bears is in World of Warcraft, where they're just coming at you no matter what. Whatever you try to do, they're just coming at you. I feel like that's not what a real bear would do. So the bear, after it attacks Edward, eats <laughs> something out of Edward's sack and walks off. That's the real bear. It's going after food, yeah. So John Jr. runs over to Edwards and he's like, oh my God, are you all right? Are you all right? And Edwards mumbles, get help. I need help. And here's my quiz to you, Jenny. Where do you think John Jr. runs to? We don't see it, but where do you think he goes? Charles, which, why wouldn't he run to Doc Baker? Why the fuck wouldn't he go get a doctor? You think Doc Baker's going to be able to lug him out of the woods? I mean, he might need immediate emergency care on site. No, no, no. Doc, but you think he has something in that bag to treat him yeah. on site right there? Yeah, sutures. Yeah. No, no. You need yep. Charles. You need no, we need someone to drag him through the woods while he's bleeding out, because that sounds like a great idea. Charles probably brought his wagon in, lifted him with John oh. Jr.'s help, put him in the back of the wagon. That's the way we know Edward likes to ride, sleeping in the back of the wagon. <laughs> Okay, cut to that night at the Edwards house. Charles, John Jr., and Grace are all sitting around waiting for Doc Baker's prognosis, which is not good. Nope. He tells the family Edwards has lost a lot of blood. And if that if it were anyone else, he would say, no chance. Didn't he but, also say if I was able to suture him right on site, this, he would have lost less no, blood? No, he didn't say that. He said, Charles, great job getting him back here so quickly. You're a strong person. <laughs> But that, but Doc Baker says that man is as strong as they come and we'll just have to wait. And John Jr. gets up and runs out. And of course, who follows him? Charles, because don't worry, fucking Matlock will solve this. In the barn, John Jr.'s all like, this is my fault. I just stood there and watched. And I wrote, yes, you did, dude. Yes, you did. Yeah, you did. He starts crying, what's wrong with me? And Charles tells him, look, like everything, all sorts of things go through a man's mind in a crisis like that. And John Jr.'s like, I'm not a man. Don't you understand me? Mr. Edwards doesn't love me. And he tells Charles to leave. Well, he says, I know he doesn't. And I'm thinking, what the hell is in that letter? Like, obviously, yes. there was something in yes. that letter. He's referring to that. And then, like, it gets all dark and he's looking at bullets. And I'm like, he's going to start reading Poe. <laughs> so John Jr. starts hearing voices screaming, shoot him, shoot him. It's he's reliving the trauma. And he grabs the gun and runs out of the barn. 
Okay, next morning, Edwards is coming too. Doc Baker slept there, apparently. Doc Baker slept there. Doc announces to the room that Edwards has recovered. Did Edwards' forehead get ripped off? And, like, are we so excited that Doc Baker actually has saved Solomon? Um, I think Doc Baker didn't do much here. I think, you know, Edwards is just... Well, he um, had to sew him up. I mean, he had, he had wings all over him. <laughs> so let me let me do a little theater here for you. Oh, no. And tell you the dialogue. I'm going to do all three parts, Edwards, Grace, and Charles. <laughs> Edwards, How are we going to know the difference? I'm going to say it like I'm reading a play. Edwards. <clears throat> How am I? <laughs> Grace. You're going to be just fine, Isaiah. Edwards. <clears throat> Remind me to never tell you I'm as tough as a grizzly bear. Charles. <clears throat> I heard the bear looks worse than you do. Edwards, by the time I retell it, he will be. Um, really, Charles? No one touched the bear. The nope. only thing the bear looks is stuffed from a good dinner. <laughs> like, what is that dialogue? Well, Why I have, a, I have a question. The bear looks worse than you do. Nobody touched the bear. Is this where you're getting your information that he was attacked by a grizzly bear? Yes. No, well, that's not what he says. He just says, I'm never going to say I'm as tough as a grizzly. That has nothing to do with the type of bear that attacked him. Yeah, maybe. Well, he's referring to being attacked by a bear, though. He's saying, I'll never say I'm as tough as a grizzly, because if a grizzly got attacked by that black bear, that black bear would be dead. Okay, whatever. That's that's a weak context there. Yeah, you. Well, I just feel like that's not empirical evidence that you have. Did you like my play, my retelling? I thought the great. I thought you nailed Grace. Thank you. Edwards asks John about John Jr. And Grace is like, he's fine. And I wrote, is he Grace? Didn't we just see him have a psychotic episode and run <laughs> off with a rifle? Everyone's fine. Doc Baker's like, he needs rest. Let's get out of here. They leave the room and Grace starts crying. And who has to comfort her? Okay. The way he touches her in this scene is creepy as fuck. She's loving every minute of it. It is She's so weird. Just bang Charles. Just here. give her a hug. Like he holds her head. It's so weird and uncomfortable. I'm surprised he didn't start reciting Byron to her or something. Grace is clinging to the clothes Edwards had on. She's like going through them like, oh my God, I can't believe this. And she finds the letter that John Jr. wrote him. And she shares it with Charles. And she reveals that the boy doesn't know Edwards can't read. And Charles is like, I'm sure Isaiah told him when John Jr. gave him the letter. Yeah, okay, Charles. Again. Know your friend. Do you yeah, really think Mr. Edwards is like, I can't read? Of course not. Charles sets off to find John Jr. to tell him that Edwards can't read. <laughs> he checks the treehouse and he's not in the treehouse. Where is he? Then Charles discovers the gun is gone from the barn and there's ominous music. Cut to the woods and we see John Jr. with the gun eyeing up an innocent deer. Funny how he attempts to shoot an innocent animal when the bear, who deserved to be shot, <laughs> so this deer has to pay for that bear's sins. And can I discuss a new, the well, weirdest sentence I ever had to say? A continuous trope here, a new trope, I guess. I don't know. Maybe not yeah. new. It's the hero mode. Like Charles, it's the That's Charles hero him. mode graphic. Like here he is on the horse, like dun, 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 crossing the river. Like, he, it's hero mode. We're in hero mode again. I'm okay with that. John Jr. gets angry and unloads his rifle onto the ground. Charles follows the gunshots and finds him. When he finds him, he tells John Jr. that Edwards is going to recover, and John Jr. is relieved. 
And then Charles hits him with the Edwards can't read, you know. And I have no notes here read. other than Charles fixes everything. I have lookout. It's hero mode, saving every last of you sorry motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. That's, that's okay. it. It's just that's the whole series, basically. I'm okay with that. John Jr. goes to Edward's side and reads him the letter. And the letter is beautiful. He's asking Edwards if he could call him Pa. John Jr. begs Edwards to love him despite his inability to be like him and to shoot shoot things. And Edward pulls him to his chest and calls him son and they start crying together. And at the end, Edwards is in the treehouse and John Jr. calls him Pa. And it's revealed that Edwards was reading McGuffey's Eclectic Primer. Which I'm assuming, I did not look it up, but I'm assuming is like a reading book. Yeah, it's like a learning to read situation. Which, good, great, perfect. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's the end of the episode. I have to say, being a 14-year-old boy on the frontier who wants to be a poet, that had to be a a tough gig. So at the end of every episode, Jenny and I will go through the episode and talk about any themes or ideas that we carried with us through adulthood or young adulthood, we call it our why. So Jenny, what is your why for this episode? So this is why I was happy to be female. I was a bookish indoor kid. I don't know if you noticed. Bookish indoor kid, is that the the term we're calling it? No one one had issue with that. Like that was fine. Like I wasn't expected to hunt or anything or build things outside or yeah. yeah. Like it was, it was fine that I didn't like camping and you know, wasn't big on sports, even though we played them. Like, I don't know, like we were, we were forced into gender roles, but I think I was lucky in that I felt comfortable in the gender role I was assigned. Uh-huh. So like identified that way and I felt comfortable in that. So it's funny you that say way. that because one of my whys, I changed it, but my first why was going to be, this is why I'm glad I have daughters. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't have to take them out in the woods and hunt. Yeah. Apparently. Um, yeah, I agree with you. Like I was, I don't know. I just never had the desire to go out and do things like this. And that was okay. I was inside reading poetry and everybody was okay with that. Like, I feel like now, you know, it's not a big, it's not as big a deal. And even when we grew up, it it was less of a deal than it would have been in like 1870. There is. Yeah, there is. But I think it's, I think it's less expected than it used to be, at least at this time, especially. Okay, I wrote, this is why I always railed against hunting, because I saw the idea of hunting as the antithesis to poetry, as it's being <laughs> framed and of course you pick poetry, and I wrote too that this was such a Gen X thing to label people and lump them into groups, like you're totally. either a hunter or you're a poet, you can't be both. You're and a it's nerd, you're a, yes. you're a nerd, you're a jock, that was a big yep. thing. Yep. And I will tell you, my girls are 13 and they do not do that. No, they don't. That generation is, even the millennials, I the feel millennials like didn't do didn't that. do it either. Yeah. No. Like when I talk to the girls about, because we have discussions about, you know, not fitting in with this group or that group. We talk about them in terms of like, like, how do I explain this? For example, I'll say to my kids, like, well, the, you know, you'll always have your really popular kids, but then there's like levels of popularity and. You might be somewhere in between or something and like that. Like, like what the hell are you talking about? It's more fluid. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, you, you yeah. can switch around your identities. We're not in Gen X, man. No. You but could I mean, have, that's if you true with everything as, now. Thank God. Like if you were labeled as a nerd. You could not break out of that. Yeah. Yep. 
Only if you got rid of your glasses. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe you would be hot then. (laughs) Let's ask Miss Beetle. All right. I have to say, Jenny, I loved this episode. Yeah, it was good. I mean, a good old bear attack. (laughs) A bear attack. There was a lot of poetry. There was a lot of Charles good stuff. They addressed the Mary's glasses thing. Yes. Finally. Yes. Yes. So I really like it. And this is really the seeds are being sown for the romance of Mary and John Jr. Yep. And I could see them working as a couple. Yeah. Mary has a bookish nerd. To, yes. To interact yes. With. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Okay. So why don't you tell everyone what we're going to be doing next? I actually know this. Are you impressed? I'm impressed. I actually know it. It's, um, I think we're going to do episode 12, The Talking Machine. We're doing the talking machine because I was out last night with our biggest fan. Our biggest fan. Ely. No, our biggest fan who's not our mother. Right. Ely. And she was telling me about this episode and how great it is. So I'm really interested to do it. Um, and it, it looks pretty good. It looks like it's Charles centric. Well, and there's, is it? How is it Charles centric? Because it's about Nellie and Laura in a love triangle. But I think. You know, Charles in his hero mode is quite, <laughs> it's quite uh, prominent. Look out, episode. it's hero mode. <laughs> okay, so that's next week. Um, we're also, I hope you guys are enjoying Blockbusters, our movie series. We're going to be dropping Heather's, I think this week, Thursday or something, right, Jen? Are we? Yeah, sure. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to try to do a couple a month. We'll see how that goes. I mean, they're pretty time consuming, but we really enjoy doing them. I just did. I just watched Karate Kid. Yeah, we're going to be doing Karate Kid. That's Can't wait. Be that. coming out. That's yeah, my wheelhouse. Karate. That's my wheelhouse. Uh, really? Ass kicking. Karate gangs is your wheelhouse? I took karate for four and a half years. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, uh, yeah, look for um, Heather's. You know, yep. and I, I just want to say real quick, my kids and I had a big Heather's fight. What? Okay. So apparently there's this new phrase in their lexicon, right? That's like, you're a Heather and it means you're a popular, untouchable, bitchy girl. So they took, they took our Heather's. So I, yes. So I said to Samantha, oh, that's from the movie Heather's. Yeah. That's my generation. Yep. No, it isn't mommy. That's from a song where a guy sings about a Heather. No, no, no. And if he's singing about a Heather, that's where he got it from. We got into a screaming match. Oh my God. They're so wrong. In the car. About this. They're so wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I surprised myself with how defensive I got about this. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, it's ours. It's ours. (laughs) You're welcome to use it, but just know where it came from. Yeah. Know the origins. So, all right. So look for Heather's and, you know, drop us a line in the Mimi Bees. Let us know what you want us to to watch and maybe we'll work it into rotation. There's a lot of votes for Top Gun and we're definitely going to do that because I love that movie. We're definitely doing Top Gun. Here's where I'm going to struggle with Top Gun. I don't like Tom Cruise. Well, who does? But I can't help myself when I see him in Top Gun. (laughs) All right. Although I feel like I'm more of a Val Kilmer girl. I love Iceman. Mm -hmm. That's who I Mm -hmm. liked. Mm-hmm. I hate Tom Cruise. But Top Gun or Tom Cruise is objectively handsome. No, nope. 
He's just, I can't with him, with the Scientology thing. I just can't. It's a He's whole thing. He's just a He's like, an asshole. All right, so that's the episode, and we'll see you next week. Hi, everyone. Amy here. Thanks again for listening to our podcast. We really appreciate it. To best support us, please consider subscribing, sharing, and leaving a review on Apple iTunes or anywhere you listen. You can connect with Jenny and me through our Facebook group, The Mimi Bees. You can find information on The Mimi Bees and all other projects by liking us on Facebook or Instagram at GenXThisIsWhy. Letter X, spell out the Y. Thanks again. See you soon. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.